Victor Homoswana in studio with me this evening, looking at all the big stories from around the African continent. We've got to start up with uh, what's going on in Nigeria. 71 people killed during the rush hour yesterday. Big bomb blast. The World Economic Forum gathering in Nigeria. And they all carry on business as usual. It's nothing to be alarmed about here. That's... <laughs> And that's the thing. Good evening, Bruce. That's the problem with a country like Nigeria. So big it is and so much is happening. You know, it's it's just one of those things that you're going to not be able to ignore because if 70 people get killed in a bomb blast, you have to think how far will this go? You've had this Boko Haram factor in Nigeria, although nobody has claimed responsibility. But yeah, and that's what we were saying last week with the Nigeria becoming the largest economy. It's not simply about the size of the economy. It's about a whole lot of other things that happen in the country that determine whether or not you will be the number one destination I mean, for investment. Good luck, Jonathan. The president wants us to believe that it is business as usual. He's putting a brave face yeah. on, on these issues. But he does seem to be coming under increased attack yeah. and increased pressure uh, from yeah. a political and uh, from, from an act- activist perspective. Yeah, you would be under pressure. But if you're the father of a family of 160 million children, you would have to put on a brave face because there are many other people out there who want to believe in the country, who want to know that they've made the right decision by investing. And, of course, there's a lot of investment still flowing in. So I'm sure when you, if you looked at President Obama during the Boston Marathon bombing, he wouldn't really say America is up in flames. And America is what size population compared to Nigeria? It's, it's just as – it's very – It's about twice the size of Twice Nigeria. the size, yeah. but it's vast as well. Mm. But what I'm saying is when you lead a country like that and you're hit with a crisis of that magnitude, especially with a focus recently having been on the country because it's the largest on the continent, you're going to have to have a brave face because you can't, you can't afford to be the despondent one. Is this enough to, to distract them? Is this enough no. to distract Nigeria in terms of the growth trajectory that they're on? No. No, it's not because remember the the area where this happened is Abuja, around the Abuja area. The financial capital of Nigeria is still further down south in the Lagos area on the coastal side. So the investments that are being attracted into Nigeria don't have much to do with the, I, I wouldn't say tourism is not a factor because that's where you start really worrying when people are now saying, do I fly into Nigeria or not because of this? But as as we speak, I'm sure the flights to Nigeria are not going to be empty because there's just so much happening in the Lagos area. And although it's a big issue, I don't think it will derail the, the trajectory. Well, good news on that particular front. Anyway, this comes the week after they rebase their economy, being the biggest economy on the African continent by a long stretch. Um, yet they still face local and domestic political issues. I mean, Egypt, which has been through its own share of trials, tribulation and traumas over the last couple of years, they seem to be slowly getting things right more often than yeah. not and looking at public-private partnerships, which yeah. is something we so desperately need. Exactly. 430 million in the information and technology field. Very, very exciting story. When I see an African country specialized investment zone developing in this area, I'm encouraged because we need that. We need to get our ICT going. It could do so much for the quality of life, for education, for service delivery, and a whole lot of others. But yeah, Egypt needs that. It's also in the top five in terms of size of the economy. It's also in the top five in terms of population. It's a key economy when you consider where it sits relative to the Middle East Africa axis. So it cannot be unable to attract investment because that happens, lots of regions get affected and it's still a key economy on the African continent. So 
I, I like to see stories like this. Uh, a, a country that used to be a key economy on the African continent and no longer is, is uh, desperately looking to get new best friends and the Zimbabweans will go wherever uh, there is an opportunity to do that. And I find it interesting that they're targeting Francophone Africa. And so they should, Bruce. Remember, that's the one. More than 20 countries on the continent speak mm. French. So if you don't have a strategy to target Francophone Africa and you want to build relations and you are as central as Zimbabwe, I'm talking geographically now, you, you are missing something. So on the 22nd to the 26th of April in Bulawayo, there's going to be a fair, trade fair. There's going to be, what, what is it called, new ideas to new heights. 90% of the exhibition area has been taken and at least 20 foreign countries are going to be represented here. What's interesting is the president of Congo, the other Congo, Congo Brazzaville as we call it, is going to be opening the fair. So it shows that they are actively going out to woo the francophone countries to invest there. And it should be something that is encouraged. At the moment, we are far too divided along English, French, Portuguese kind of lines. And that's not good for anybody who's really looking for returns because the French-speaking Africa offers a lot more. I am the first to admit that I've not even given it as much attention as it deserves. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, language is a massive barrier across uh, any society, across any continent, yeah. um, and Francophone Africa is largely ignored. Yeah. We look at South African businesses going to do business across the continent. Where exactly. do they go? Yeah. They go to places that speak English that or speak Portuguese. English. Yeah. It is, it is, we it tend is. to avoid Francophone Africa. We tend to, and as I say, it's because of people like myself who don't speak French, and as a result, tend to think, well, you can't do business in the DRC in English, and you can. You can't do business in Senegal in English. You can do business in English there. If if the Brazilians can do business in Guinea, Conakry, which speaks French, and the language barriers don't come much more than that. So it is possible to do business. But as I say, because we are biased, we read English newspapers more than anything, we are going to be ignoring that. So I think Zimbabwe figured that out. But you know they've been diversifying their trade and investment links. They've been going, what is it, Look East campaign that they did going to China and to India. So I think they figured, well, if we are going East to China and India, we might as well go within the African continent, but focus on countries that naturally would not have done business. I don't think they share a border with any French-speaking countries in Zimbabwe. No. No, I they don't. don't. So don't that so. tells you something. It would mean they have to go across Zambia into yeah. the DRC and into Burundi and so on. I'm sure that is a very good strategy, of course, depending on whether or not the whole political economic situation of Zimbabwe stabilizes in the short to medium term. Mm. And then Swaziland, it's not a place I've ever thought about sort yeah. of taking my laptop and seeking <laughs> connectivity to the world wide web yeah. but they're quite serious about ramping up access. They are and it's part of the African Union initiative Bruce. Remember one of the 10 strategic priorities of NEPAD if I may say one of the strategic priorities is the initiative that has led to the e-schools or the e-education initiative that tries to connect the rest of the continent. So Zim Swaziland. Swaziland is now a country where they have launched the internet exchange point. So it joins about 24 countries that are established as IXPs on the continent. That's the internet exchange points. It means they are prioritizing again the right thing. Technology. We are in the era where if you don't have the right connectivity, the right infrastructure, you're going to be left behind. And you can Give thanks to the CECOM and the West African cable system for bringing fiber optic cable 
technology to our doorstep because then suddenly countries realize that the information superhighway need not be that far from them and they are connecting. As to what Swaziland will be doing with this technology, I don't know. But at least if you're in Swaziland, you won't be left out of the information superhighway. Um, and then also just look at the, the, the regional cooperation that's ha- happening. Uganda, of course, we know yeah. there's a lot of uh, interesting business stuff happening there. Yeah. They've developed a refinery and the, their, their neighbors have said, we quite like that refinery. Yeah. Can, can we help? Please? Yeah, okay. and it's good. I like Uganda for this. I must admit, if there's one thing I give I like Uganda President for Museveni. this as well. Yeah. yeah, because they are doing one. They are giving 10% shareholding in this multi-billion dollar refinery that's going to be built in the western Uganda pass, which means it links them to the DRC and a whole lot of other countries. So the other countries in the East African community are going to partner with us, take the 10% shareholding, which means they'll be able to put something. 40% will be public shares and the private sector will take the remaining 60. Excellent, excellent project. Uganda has had oil for a very long time. They have said we are not in a hurry to drill if we can't build the refinery. I really hope they succeed here because it will give us what we need in Africa, that you have the resources but add more value because you attract more high-value adding jobs. You get more to the GDP. You add more to the GDP rather than if you just drill and export raw materials. What's BWC saying? It's got a, it's published the Africa Gearing Up report. Did yeah. you learn anything from it? Yeah, it, I did. And and that is that Tanzania is one of the top countries in Africa that that are attracting infrastructure investment, doing very well compared to the others. Tanzania doesn't have the best infrastructure, but it's been registering 7% growth. Remember, there's a lot of mining happening in the southern parts, in the central parts of Tanzania. And as a result, still projected to reach 7.3% growth, the infrastructure that I expected to attract the economy. Projects in the pipeline, the report says 19 billion already, and all our infrastructure and transport and utilities. So it is exciting. And yeah, if you know Tanzania, you'll no, they don't have the best infrastructure. But if they keep growing at the rate they are doing, you can be sure infrastructure will follow. And, and that's what we need. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. There we go. Victor Khobaswana with the Africa Business Report on a Tuesday night.